0: It's a mission to Mars. No boys allowed. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And Bill, I practically did this entire episode just for you. I read. Thank you. I read a story recently, and this is, this is breaking news from the 1950s, but apparently there has been substantial research done that indicates that for long space journeys, uh, such as a, a journey to Mars, which may take more than a thousand days, um, that we would be wise, at least in the early trips, uh, to make the entire crew composed solely of women. And it's not because of any kind of uh, you know, sexist thing or trying to balance the books of history because only men went to the moon or anything like that. It's because of a few basic scientific facts, so-called. An all-female crew on a long journey uses 26% fewer calories, breathes up 29% less oxygen, and uses 18% less water than a male crew. Now, there are some other kind of psychological benefits where maybe it's less likely that there'll be a gunfight over a long journey (laughs) among women than there would be among men, but primarily uh, these scientists who have done this study have said on a 1,080-day mission, you would need 1,695 fewer kilograms of food or roughly 10% of the payload of a Falcon Heavy. Uh, Bill? On the basis of science, are you willing to accept the premise that the first Voyagers on the starship, the first crew that we send, should be an all-female crew? Well, I think they'd save a lot more than the calories you listed because I don't think it'd
1: be more than two weeks before they'd all killed each other and there was only (laughs) one survivor. Um, I knew you'd like it. Yeah. So I just want to be clear on this because it's really an important point. My problem with with, uh, I don't have any problem with female astronauts or any other kinds of astronauts. I have a problem with diversity hires. And Jordan Peterson has pointed this out, I think, very effectively. He says in a completely free society, it's something like 95% of all bricklayers are going to be male. And in a completely free society, some huge percentage, 80% are going to be female. So when you say you're going to have an all-woman crew or an all-black crew or an all-whatever crew, you are simply drawing from A shallower pool of talent. That doesn't mean that you can't find good people who do that. I saw the Thunderbirds fly not long ago. One of those pilots was a woman. I couldn't tell which one it was. It's not like she was, you know, bumping into the other airplanes or anything. Well, they didn't have to parallel park those
2: planes. Right. You fly like a girl.
1: No, so she was was as good a pilot as any of the men. But the amount of people to draw upon, if you wanted to do an all-female Thunderbirds, all six jets, you would – not be picking the best people anymore, you'd be picking the best women now. So what I'm trying to say here is, is that with consistent standards and a colorblind, sexblind admission process, you get the best people. And I cannot think of any benefits that would that would outweigh that principle. And since the vast majority of people involved in, um, in STEM engineering, science, uh, and and just the entire idea of exploration is pretty much a male thing, you know. There is there our brains are wired differently. They, they they do studies on things like even with little kids. If you put little kids in a room in a circle, the little boys will be looking out around the circle, and generally the little girls are looking inside. They, I, I Natasha will often say to me, "How did you notice that 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 there was a, a you know a a, a a falcon on that branch nine miles away?" I said, uh, it's probably the same reason that I can't find the ketchup in the refrigerator, even though I've looked for five (laughs) hours. and, 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 and then you just, it's right in front of your eyes, man. So, so there are differences biologically. And when you're dealing with something on that level, you have to pick the best individuals for the job. I have seen plenty of evidence to suggest that there is no, that, that, that women or any other type of of special interest group you want to name are capable of of achieving those standards. It's just, so so yes, you get great players; they just don't have as deep a bench, Scott. And um, and so when you start making statements like it should be all women, you get into troubles. And I'll, and I'll tell you something that I have th- I haven't had to experience, but it's given me a great deal of uh, something to think about when they began to. Um, when they began to uh, admit women into uh, into naval ships, at sea warships, aircraft carriers, and so on, submarines were the last to, to go. I I thought to myself, I could see how that could change the entire dynamic of the crew. If I'm on a if I'm on a submarine full of a hundred guys, and we've got a hundred guys, then we're a hundred guys, and we're a hundred guys, guys without any women, and there aren't any women, so we do we think about what we're going to do at sure leaving and all the rest. If I, this is me speculating I'm not on the sub. If I was on a sub with 90 guys and 10 women, I think a significant amount of my time would be would be dedicated to how can I get to be the boyfriend of one of these 10 women and 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 a significant amount of jealousy and resentment if I wasn't. And I think these things are much more powerful than than what studies might suggest about, you know... So are you saying intake. not only
0: should it not be an all-female crew, it should be an all-male crew to go to Mars? It would
1: depend on the degree of isolation. You could probably make a pretty good case for sending married couples. But it, on on that first mission, I would just send the best people we have. And, and the best people we have are people like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, who, when they were preparing to lift off from the moon. They'd done their moonwalk and brought their samples on board. And turns out that somebody had swung one of these bags of rocks around and they had smashed the button that you have to push to get the lunar module off the, the ascent stage of the lunar module to get back to orbit. They cannot launch this thing because the button's broken. I want people who, this famous story is interviewed Buzz Aldrin, this woman reporter interviewed him and said, so were you, were you thinking about what your final message to earth would be? Were you, were you, were you (laughs) you composing like a kind of message for your family? And Buzz looked at her like she was from, I almost said Mars, but Venus (laughs) and said, and said, and said, no, we were trying to figure out how to fix the switch. (laughs) Turned out, it turned out a, a, a ballpoint pen was perfect. And that's how they launched off the surface of the moon. So, if you have that kind of attitude, that is an engineering attitude. Men's brains—this is just a proven fact. Men's brains are much better at processing 3D imagery of the world. It, we, we can we can rotate things in our head, and men are generally able to read maps much better than women. Women, on the other hand, are far better at, at detecting nuances of emotion, and all of this stuff makes biological sense. So I'm saying, if you've got if you've got steely-eyed missile women, put them on board. But the idea of just women is, to me, nuts.
0: Well, Steve, let's let's accept Bill's argument at face value and say that men are better at those kinds of tasks. We're in a significantly different age than we were when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were out there with uh, Michael Conrad. And I think that people— Collins. What's that? Collins, I'm sorry. Um, were, uh, a lot of these ships are now really— it's not so much that we need uh, fighter pilots. We need people who can carry on good human relations for long periods of time because a lot of the flying stuff can be done remotely or at least pre-programmed into the computer so that it's doing what it needs to do. Not to say that we don't have any STEM requirements, but Bill's already established that there are enough women out there. Obviously, since Barbie has gotten on the task, we have enough women going into STEM. Uh, so, So why not? send the most fuel efficient food efficient oxygen efficient crew we can on that first mission to mars and we can always follow up with men later but why not take advantage of the extra space that we're saving uh, to have other kinds of equipment in there that we need to establish a base for example
2: well i'm just going to say that once we've got enough heavy lift to to get to mars in a uh, uh, in a sizable way I'm not just talking about you know leaving some footprints and coming back like we did on on Apollo 11. Once 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 we have the lift to get to Mars and establish a presence, about the last thing we're going to worry about is 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 that kind of mass. We've got much bigger concerns on 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 how we're gonna on, on what we're gonna take with us. I I think I haven't. This is just back of the envelope math here, but I don't I don't think cruise stores are going to be the deciding factor on on what we're gonna put in these spaceships yep. and it's going to take more than one spaceship by the way it doesn't matter how big uh uh the spacex starship is um the reason why musk needs to build so many of them is it's going to take what it was a, a ten thousand trips to mars so he, he's going to need yeah. at least a thousand of these these spaceships going sh- 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 back and forth all the time so the the crew composition all male all female uh i don't think that's a I don't think the mass of their supplies is in any way a, a deciding factor. Uh, Bill covered some interesting ground that I that I want to go back over. This, the idea that the male crews are going to be shooting at each other, I think, is is largely BS. Um, you look at on board submarines. You look at how You look at on board uh, uh, most sailing ships uh, going around throughout all of history. Yeah, going around in the fifteenth, sixteenth century into you know unknown worlds, unknown oceans. Uh, for the most part, those went very, very well. Um, although I did have a... Uh, Bill, you mentioned the Thunderbirds. My wife and I just had this conversation a, a couple of nights ago, and I can't remember how it came up, uh, but when it comes to being fighter pilots, uh, men tend to be much better at uh, single-focus tasks and at uh, uh, solving problems in 3D space. 3D? Yes, and yeah. women tend to be better at multitasking, and that's, that struck a... a, a a memory cord in the development of the uh, the F thirty five, the Lightning two. Uh, what's one of the remarkable things about that plane isn't that it's that it's stealthy, although that's that's it's very nice, be harder to find when people are trying to shoot at you. But if if you've ever seen an, an AWACS plane, that's airborne. <coughs> excuse me, airborne warning and control TV system. Just- the, the big jet, big jumbo jet with a big radar dome on top, um, and there's got a crew of guys sitting in front of TVs plotting out air battles and and all the rest. Each F thirty five with one guy in there you know, or one gal is essentially an entire AWACS crew, and one of the hmm. things they spent the, the the longest time and I don't think they've got all the the kinks worked out of it yet is the software to reduce what they call the cognitive load on the pilot because this plane is capable of so many things and it's not a two seater you got you got one pilot in there doing doing all of it how do you reduce through software the cognitive load on the pilot and it makes me wonder if uh, uh, the the realm of fighter pilots hasn't moved away from this idea of being able to to do one task really well in 3d space and becoming more of a of a multitasker so we might be moving into a into a time where women could conceivably become the uh, by their nature, uh, the more likely fighter pilots than men, a com- complete role reversal. I don't know if this is true. It was just one of those things that uh, that, that occurred to me to, to wonder aloud about with, in a conversation with my wife. And of course, she being an Air Force brat was very pleased with the idea of having a fleet of female <laughs> F-35 pilots. Uh, that said, um, in this day and age, it is probably impossible to say, we're going to have an all-male crew for this first trip to Mars if the government is having anything at all to do with it. Uh, on the other hand, we've got to be very, very careful about how we do pick a mixed crew. There's a there's a book I've read uh, many times that begins uh, with a famous line, Once upon a time there was a Martian named Michael Valentine Smith. And it's Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land. And the first trip to Mars, as described in this book, was was four married couples who had been very carefully selected for their combination of, of being able to get along with each other, to be able to get along with the other cu- uh, couples, and to have all the correct skills, uh, you know... you. Uh, pilot navigator well astrogator cook doctor ev- everything you could possibly need out of, out of eight people on this very long two or three year mission and of course the mission ends uh, uh in disaster on the surface of mars with uh affairs an illegitimate birth and murder so <laughs> which <laughs> the the second trip to mars had a much faster engine to lasted about six months and it was an all-male military crew um and that may be the way to go if, it, if it's got to be a government thing and it's not SpaceX, make it a military crew. Uh, men are pretty good at working in hierarchical structures. It's, it's, I don't know if it's the way we're, we're wired, the way we're trained, or both. But if it's a short enough mission, God, maybe do it the old way. But that being politically impossible, we better be very careful about how we pick that mixed crew.
1: Since this is my episode directed at me specifically and custom tailored (laughs) for my personal responses, let me just add just two things to this. One of the reasons that seems to be left out of this remarkable study is that saying that women consume fewer fewer calories is they consume fewer calories because they're not as big as men are and they're not as strong as men are. And there are often times when you need physical strength, especially in an emergency, and that could make the difference between life and death. So there's that aspect of it. The – the only other thing I want to say about the about the you, you mentioned well we, you know we've got software to take care of that now, we had a switch built into the limb it wasn't like it wasn't there what you're really dealing with is how fast can you think on your feet in an emergency and apply a a a a, a, a band aid situation to get you out of there but final thing is the the primary the primary characteristic of an excellent sub commander is patience. And the primary characteristic of a fighter pilot is aggression. It's got nothing to do with um, their multitasking or whatever. If you, you are either engaged defensive or engaged offensive and and it is sheer aggression. I'm not saying there aren't women who can do that, but I am saying that when it comes down to physical violent aggression, we pretty much got the clubhouse on that one. So again, I'm, uh, you, you can find candidates for all of these things, and they are superb. They're as good as the men. But if you want to deal with how we're wired, it wouldn't be my first choice.
0: Well, my instinct when I first read this story um, was, well, that's fascinating. I First of all, I just didn't realize that uh, women didn't consume as many calories, breathe as much oxygen, use as much water and all that kind of stuff. So just from a scientific perspective, I thought that was fascinating. Um, However, I do think that the general approach from the various scientists who have studied this and and the writer who put the story together is kind of a limited pie view of life. Um, it's the idea that we need to, to have the bare minimum consumption of anything on this trip to Mars because we're barely gonna be able to get there by the skin of our teeth and we gotta conserve every aspect. Now we do have to conserve weight and we have to conserve help, you know, resources and stuff like that. And certainly when I read the, the story of the lunar rover program, the shaving of ounces of you know, weight off of those things and, and trying to make sure they still had structural integrity was just amazing. However, I also know that just by our nature, um, we will, when we go to Mars, we're going to take twice as much stuff as we need for two crews if we only have one crew. <laughs> um, and that it, it, we don't have a limited pie view of life. We have the Mars or bust attitude view of life, which is we're getting there. And so, um, you know, we're not, we're not going there to attack it. We're going to go there to live there. And so, we will plan as if everything could go wrong, and we would still get there, and everybody would be alive. And we'll we'll make those kinds of of uh, evaluations along the way. So, I think it's a, a really a false dichotomy. Do we need to make it all women? Do we need to make it all men? I think we need a combination of women and men because of the various giftedness uh, abilities in general of those people. However, you know, I get to meet a lot of people every day who are trying to decorate their houses. And a lot of times it's the guy who cares much more about it and knows more about it, but it's usually the women. So you can find men who have gifts that are more primarily like you would expect from the general populace of women and vice versa. We don't really have to worry about that. Like like Bill said, it's more of a meritocracy thing. It's, it's who brings the various skills and abilities that we need for this long-term mission, who has demonstrated the ability to work together, to be able to function in a crisis, to be able to step into leadership when necessary, to be able to handle when things go all awry. And you'll find men and women equally in equal measure who all have the abilities to do those kinds of things in various ways. So I, I think... What's amazing to me about all of this is that I am alive in a time when we're talking about who we're sending to Mars. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's not a matter of, oh, someday maybe we'll go to Mars. Like at this point, you know, if the Lord should keep me around just a little bit longer, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see video shot by humans from the surface of Mars. I'm going to see Instagram selfies that are taken. And it's like, hey, look, we found that little helicopter thing we sent up here a couple of years ago. I'm taking a picture with it. And that we will get to experience this. and I just think it's awesome that these kind of conversations go on, that we get a chance to be part of an age like this when these things are not only possible, but are happening. And if Elon Musk can figure out a way to launch that starship without blowing up the entire earth underneath him next time, then I think we're getting much closer than we realize. And I can't wait. I, I will savor every moment of it. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members of BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.